are this week. And we know what we're about. We, we want to get into agreement. We've, we, we've done this for several weeks. So here we are. Here's a little table. We each put our list on it. Oh, you're mime artists. You should be on the radio. <laughs> okay. So what, what should we do? Oh, let's put our hands on this pile of three sheets. We agree. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, well, that's that item dealt with then, isn't it? Okay, thanks. So clearly this is not what we're talking about when we're talking about agreement, but neither are we talking about time for time's sake. Um, what we're doing is coming into agreement. It's this process of coming into agreement. We can say the right words. Okay. One of the responses from one of the... I mean, I've never had responses from people like this. It's just intriguing, this particular mix of people said, well, we thought what we would do is we would write out a simple liturgical prayer and response. So we would name a person, moments quiet, say the same liturgical prayer, and then a response to it. Moments silence, we do the next one. You really want to do that? Now, I'm not anti-liturgy, but again, it's missing the life and you can substitute words for the life. And sometimes there's such a flow of the Spirit. They can just say, here, here, here's our lists. Our Father, we stand together and we say yes to you. And we're bouncing with joy and we're alive in the Spirit. Yes, Lord, to, to every good thing you're going to do with these people. Pour out your Spirit upon them of revelation. Reveal Jesus to them. Father, we say yes. And you can barely stop because you're in the flow of the Spirit. But at other times, and perhaps very often, it's not really quite like that when we come together. Because we come together in the midst of real life. And we're a bit tired and we're a bit hassled. And we, we've had to delay that phone call and say, I'm sorry, I just can't speak to you until whenever. And you've got that on your mind as well. But you're meeting together. But this is a spiritual activity, to come together in agreement. And what I'm trying to do is to stress for you how important this thing that we do when we come together is now in this aspect of moving into agreement. How do we move into agreement? Because we don't have to move into the spirit, if you see what I mean, to be agreed, I mean, say, well, well, of course we agree that God should do good things. But that's not quite moving into the kind of agreement Jesus is talking about. We're going to come and we're going to lay down all our preconceived ideas of what God ought to do for the people on our list and how he's going to do it. We're going to let go of all that. Actually, we're going to embrace mystery. And the mystery is that our ways are not God's ways. And our ways are a lot lower than his ways. Because his ways are so different, so higher. So we abandon all that. And we say, actually, Lord, although we could tell you exactly what we think you ought to do. <laughs> and what's needed here. We cast these people upon you, knowing that what you want to do is bring revelation to them. Open up the whole kingdom to them. And Father, we just want to say, yes, Lord, but in your way. 
in your way, but break in for the Lord. And then it may be that as we begin to do that, and begin to move in the Spirit, maybe we begin to speak in tongues over them for a few minutes. Particularly if we're not finding a great deal of freedom this time we're meeting together. Okay? Finding the freedom is great, but it's not why we're meeting. We're not meeting to have a great knees up, but to do kingdom business. Okay? And if we're coming together in his name, well, he's going to be with us, whatever we're sensing anyway. The aim and the objective of a business meeting is the business. The aim is not how much fun and laughter we have while we're doing the business. Do you understand what I'm saying? We should be marked by life and overflowing life. Um, And uh, I would much rather have lots of fun while we meet together in the name of Jesus because it's us who have life, isn't it? But if we had loads of fun and haven't done the business, we've missed the point of meeting. It's kingdom business. So we want to begin to pray and say, come on, Lord, we want to come to this place where we stand before you. And here on earth, we are united with heaven. There's no difference. Because while the angelic hosts are saying, yes, and the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, and the Father says, go get them. And we're here on earth saying, yes, yes, yes. Come on. Come on, Lord, breaking on these people. And it may be that as we begin to do that, sometimes one of us will break out into, into, into prayer that would be quite hard to hold in over them. But what begins to come out is much more of a prophetic declaration over them. You need to be free to let what happen will happen. And you're not making anything happen. But this is moving into the Spirit in terms of being in agreement. Are we in agreement on this together? Yeah? So if you see what I mean, and I do hope I'm not making this complicated for you, when we come together and bring our list together and pray over them, the point is less to do with praying over them collectively and far more to do with the fact that we stand together with each other's lists together and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We say yes to your purpose. And we call, come on, come on, Father. Let your kingdom come to these people. Let your rule break in over their lives, their hearts, their minds, their family, their circumstance their workplace, their schools, whatever else it may be. But we say, yes, Father, to your intention to reveal yourself. Is that helpful? So agreement is at the very heart of of that component of what we do when we come together. And it's mighty. It's mighty. It breaks through the, all the obstacles in the heavenless. Because um, Phil, and I, Phil and us were using the word this morning, alignment, in a totally different sort of context. But it's this business of alignment, heaven and earth. We are aligned together. 
And when that happens, all sorts of things get cut through. We don't have to go off and try and do anything. That's God's business. But uh, as we come into alignment with heaven, and heaven is aligned with earth, the kingdom comes. Let's talk about another area for a moment. Worship. Okay. Now, you're all doing this stuff. So, um, how many of you regularly sing as part of your worship when you come together in the local house of prayer? Okay. Let me just check this the other way then. How many of you do not sing when you come together? Okay. Or not necessarily. Okay. So, how many of you worship in a way other than using music? Okay. So, what what sort of ways do you use, Heather? Anything different? Okay. And so what do you do? Do you sort of respond aloud out of that or in your hearts or Okay. Who who else? Some of you others of you raise their hands. What what do you do other Oh, you're all in the same group. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Brilliant Thanksgiving, yeah? And that's what you do as well. Okay. What about some other ways of worshipping? Can I, I was intrigued on Thursday by this strange mixture of people. I got them to go into groups and uh, uh, and sort out how how many ways they could think of by which they could worship the Lord um, in threes, fours, or fives if they had no music player of any type and were tone deaf anyway. And it's quite interesting. Actually, I was interested in their absolute silence to begin with. Uh, and then they began to get ideas. And I got some feedback. And some of it was interesting. One group said, we'd bring a clap offering to the Lord. I thought that was very, very interesting. Anybody done that? Yeah? Okay. And another one that really surprised me said, we said we would stomp. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, stomp? We stand up and say, yes, Lord. And they stomp on the floor, uh, like beating a drum to let it rise to the Lord. I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah? Dance? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Right. You bring a gift of laughter or you get a little gift of... Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Well, I thought what we might do for fun, you're up for fun, aren't you? That's good. Um, 
I could ask Daphne to come out here and dance for us all. <laughs> now, what I thought we might do is uh, just... <laughs> so, it would be better than if I danced out here. It would probably be more fun if I danced. So, I'm in a meeting met last week. And uh, and and the, the the leader of the meeting has said, would well, a few people like to give a few testimonies? And 45 minutes later, to my surprise, I said, okay, the music group is going to, to lead us in worship for a moment. Whereupon, a lady who was on the front row, I don't know, early 30s probably, quite a tall uh, lady, uh, yeah, probably early 30s, a doctor, a hospital doctor, uh, got up walked out to the front and went like this. And I sort of looked and the guy who was leading the meeting looked at me and we raised an eyebrow to each other and looked. Whereupon she turned and did a cartwheel straight across the floor. Turned that round, sat down. And there was a stunned silence. And she got up and turned around and said, I'm ever so sorry. I wanted to bring a thank offering to the Lord, which was beautiful. And I'm just so surprised that none of you suggested <laughs> cartwheels. I think it's interesting. Do you remember how Jesus would uh, would be out in the open air and the crowds would come in and the testimony of the gospel writers is that um, he just went on and on healing everyone who came to him. It didn't matter what was wrong with them. He healed the lot. And then they, there's a few words at the end and the people glorified God. And you can imagine the crowds there watching. And at one point, Matthew does this amazing description, doesn't he? And the crowd marveled as they saw the blind seeing and the deaf hearing, the lame walking. And in Greek it says, and some of them having new limbs who didn't have limbs before. And the people gave glory to God. Can you imagine them standing there saying, yes, Father, this is good. Or do you think there might have been cartwheels? Do you think some of the people doing cartwheels were people who only had one arm before? Um, who was jumping up and down and dancing? Was it somebody who couldn't walk before? Uh, and, and who was looking up into the heavens and blessing the Father? Was it those who couldn't raise their arms, those who were blind before? This was incredible commotion to say in that kind of context that they praised the Lord. So this is what we're going to do then. I'm going to embarrass you, okay? We're going to bring an offering to the Lord of Worship now. And this is, this is how we're going to do it, okay? Those of you on the front row are going to bring a stomp offering, okay? Those of you on the next row are going to lift your voices to the Lord. That means you go, Thank you, Lord, you're good. Okay. <laughs> Gotta lift your voices a bit further, okay? 
So, first row, a stomp offering. Second row, lift your voices to the Lord and tell him he's good. The third row, okay, a thank offering. And the ones on the back, I want you to lift your arms and raise them to the Lord. Okay, wave them to the Lord as a wave offering. Is that all clear? Do you know what you're doing? And we're going to do it. If you'd like to stand up with me then. It's very hard to stomp otherwise. Okay. Okay. Now, what we want to do is shake the heavens with our offering of praise to the Lord. Okay. So this means some noise. And uh, so, are you ready? Okay. Father, we want to have fun while we do this because uh, you made us to have fun, to laugh, to enjoy ourselves, to party, because all this was created by you and we reflect your image. We thank you for the images of parties and shouts and cries and thundering praise in the heavenlies and mighty echoes and all the fun of joy. So as we do this now, would you safeguard us so we're not doing something silly for its own sake? But would you release us to truly bring thanksgiving and praise to you? And would you take joy in our offering now? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So on the count of three. One, two, three. Three. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and help us. Come on, Holy Spirit, help us to bring praise and glory to Jesus. You are great. You are marvelous. You are wonderful. Jesus. 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 You are amazing, Lord. You are amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. We worship you, Lord. We give you praise. Jesus, you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. You are worthy of our praise. Lord, we bless you, Lord. Jesus. Amen. 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 Did you enjoy that? Go, please be seated. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's three of you meeting together, that one of you stomps your foot, one of you claps, and one shouts and waves their arms. But you could. But you know, silence, quietness, stillness is a very, very important value. At the heart of the Father, there is stillness. There is peace. And there is the cry that echoes forever from the cross. It is finished. We're invited to come to the rest of the Father. But also at the very heart of the Father is dance. He cannot contain himself. How can you begin to contain God? He cannot be contained. 
there isn't anything big enough that can contain him. And he dances for joy. He dances for joy over over you. He's so thrilled with you. He can't keep quiet. He can't keep still. He looks at you and says, my invention. Wow, look at this. Look at this. And so you remember on the day of Pentecost, when they were all together and the Holy Spirit fell on them, they became dreadfully quiet. And they were so incredibly quiet that the people around about were a little bit worried and they called the police. And they say, we think we go to, need to go, well, as far as we know, about 120 people and it's very quiet. Do you think something's happened to them? And they sort of came, and while not quite, an amazing party broke out because the Holy Spirit had come. 120 people in one room, chaos, noise, crying out, all these tongues of praise, and a door bursts open and Peter cannot contain himself utterly transformed this broken betrayer stands in front of 3,000 and boldly declares in the power of the Spirit the good news of Jesus but what's drawn all the people it's the noise of the party and not don't misunderstand me not noise for noise's sake but noise in the spirit is hugely attractive. Daphne and I, um, some time ago now, were visiting our daughter. And uh, she lives in a county town. And we were there and it was a sunny day. Sorry, we're from Wales. We don't know too much about it. It was a sunny day. And uh, we were out in the garden, and all of a sudden, it was on Saturday afternoon, this incredible roar filled, filled the air. Well, it was from the football stadium, of course. So it, we knew somebody had, had scored. And it's very attractive. You want to go and you watch the score there and what's going on. You find a group of people who just can't contain themselves for joy. You want to know well, what's going on then. And it was the noise that erupted of the party when the Holy Spirit came that drew the people. And at the heart of it was joy. What are people desperate for? Peace, joy, being known and being accepted, belonging somewhere and being secure because they have been able to be able to reveal what they're really like and still know this they're acceptable and that they belong. Peace, joy. Falderbrain, we had a season uh, one summer where people were finding their way uh, to us who'd followed a footpath that had come either very close to our border or one of the footpaths comes through our land and they would come to us shaken saying what is this place because on the hillside there's there are no signs and at the entrance points into Falderbrennan there are there are no signs saying what we are on the hillside so they didn't know 
something strange happens when we walk onto your land. What we've always longed for, dreamt of, wished would exist, has fallen on it, uh, has fallen on us. And they're saying, we turned around and walked off your land and it went. But it, we came back on the land. And what we've always wanted is just here. But what is it? What is this place? What's going on? So I had joy to tell them. So don't be afraid to make noise. And don't think that noise and joy and laughter and so on are unbecoming. I, I, I sometimes see people at Falderbrennan uh, walking along one of the, the paths, perhaps around the buildings or something, perhaps talking to each other and laughing. And just for fun, I go out and say, excuse me. Uh, I wonder if you mind being quiet. You know, we don't have laughter here. We're Christians. <laughs> and you and you see them begin to apologize. You know, I'm, uh, and then they look. I say, it's okay. You can make as much noise as you like. Bless you in joy and laughter. But you can see, because I'm touching this thing, and them. oh, we're supposed to be proper and quiet. Because we're Christians. Goodness sake. Goodness sake. You're supposed to be the people where joy and laughter are found. It comes from heaven. So uh, don't be afraid to make noise. Don't be afraid to make noise just in your threes. Um, Don't be afraid of noise or think it's unattractive because it isn't. But noise for its own sake is a nuisance. Puts up barriers. Okay. Um. Well, I'd like to give you an exercise. And uh, I want to go back then. We've done the worship thing. But I want to go back to the fives and the agreement. Um, I assume you all know who the people are on your list. Out of interest, how many of you got more than five on your list? All right. Quite a number of you. Okay. Um, Now, I don't want you to speak through the names. But I want you to grab some people. Uh, say that you're in threes, but I want you to avoid your your usual people, okay? I want you everybody to try as far as they can to get into a group of three that does not include somebody that is in your normal local house of prayer. Could you do that? And I'll tell you what we're going to do then. Okay. So for the person who is racked by guilt, you have the most wonderful news of a saviour to bring them, who can take away their guilt, who paid the price for their sin. But for the person who has no consciousness of sin at all, but is desperate that somebody might just stand with them, help them, Just be a friend, there is good news. But it isn't good news where you think you need a friend now, but guess what, you're a sinner going to hell. It's probably not going to make them jump up and say, yippee, I've waited to hear that all my life. Okay? Or for the person who is racked by an addiction, whose life is controlled by their addiction, 
they were quite clear that they were not addicted until they tried to stop. And things are not getting better for them. Telling them that on top of that they're a sinner they're about to go to hell is probably not the best news that they'll get that day. I don't think they'll say, oh, this is wonderful. Please come in and have a cup of tea with me and tell me more. But tell them that you've got good news for them. Of a father who knows them, who cares about them, and who has done something to break the power of addiction. Would they like to be set free? When would you like to be set free? Well, let's, let's just do that now. And then we can talk more. And we draw people into their journey towards God. We are not in this country where we were 30, 40 years ago. And we need now to see that people need to, to be helped into a journey. And we need to walk with them. And formulas are not the answer. But coming alongside people, walking with them, encouraging them, and letting them develop their story and have their story revealed is very important. Not your imposition of the story that they need to adopt, which actually isn't their story at all. So they confess something because they've been taught it, but actually isn't real to their experience. Only to walk with them. And at some point in their journey, the Holy Spirit will begin to touch their hearts, their conscience. And they will need to make a response like that to Jesus. Okay. So for some people it's going to be a, a quick crisis and a birth into the kingdom. For others it's going to be a, a long trek. But it's okay. Because whilst they're moving on their journey, even though they don't need it, they are worshipping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Because to go along that journey is to say yes. And they're saying yes to the Father's will. So walk with them. Okay. So think of the breadth of the good news. Don't just beat them over the head with uh, we are all sinners. Does this make sense? You do understand what I'm saying, don't you? That I'm not in any way devaluing the glorious evangelical gospel. But I'm saying that what we bring in terms of good news is so much greater. And the good news that Jesus brought was of a rule, the rule of the age to come, having invaded earth with power um, to destroy other powers, to set people free. So we can set people free. And as they're set free in the name of Jesus, then they will begin to worship. And then they will encounter him for themselves. I know I'm laboring this a little bit. Okay. And then, who might I invite to come and, uh, and join with us is a separate issue. Heather, do me a favor while I talk for a minute and, if necessary, rem remind me to come back to that. Okay, in a, in, in a few minutes. This business of asking the questions. Okay. We're wanting to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. But in our praying, we're saying, aren't we? Ah, Jesus taught us to pray for the kingdom. This is how you pray. 
Father, your kingdom, your rule come and, and work this out here on earth. We're calling the kingdom into today. We're crying out for the rule of God to come. And the result of that coming of the kingdom may produce transformation in our society so that the lives of the people around us are changed. And that's great. It's a sign of the kingdom. But it isn't the kingdom. It's the fruit of the kingdom. The kingdom itself is not the uh, uh, the change in, in society, the, the buzzword of transformation. Transformation is fantastic. It's wonderful. It's what happens when God draws near and, and, and heaven touches earth. But it's the fruit, not the tree. Okay? So um, we, uh, we, we, we take... I was talking to, to Daphne um, about how I love it in the med when you breakfast time you go out and you pull a piece of, of fruit. So say an orange. You pull an orange off the... Uh, off the tree and you you eat it it's so it's still warm from the sun and mm, and the juice and oh, it's so impossible to get that in this country and it's just glorious it's like, wow fantastic but you look at the orange the orange isn't an orange tree the orange is the fruit of the tree it comes from the tree have you ever seen in all your travels an orange tree that only produces apples well, no, you look at the apples and say it's an apple tree. The fruit is glorious. It's wonderful. The fruit, in that sense, is the point, but the, but the tree is the tree. Transformation, all the changes that take place in our community while we're calling for the kingdom is the fruit. It's what happens as a result. But, but the breaking in, the calling down of the kingdom involves the coming in of the sense of the presence of God, victory over the powers of evil so that people are healed and set free. This is the breaking in, the power of the rule of God happening now. Broken hearts healed. Marriages restored. The impossible taking place. This is the rule of God. Addicts set free. The hopeless filled with hope, those suffering from depression, unable to stop laughing and dancing for joy. It's a glorious thing to see, isn't it? This is what happens when we're calling for the kingdom. Uh, the other marks of the kingdom that, that were spoken of in the uh, Old Testament and recognized at the time of Jesus' coming, as they, as they cried out for the, for, for the king, who they thought was going to be a political king. Okay, there was the presence, coming into the presence of God, um, there were signs of the victory of God in that all this stuff was, was, had its power base destroyed. The salvation would come. And, uh, and then the fourth sign, they said, but they were divided on how it worked out. The fourth sign was that a new people would emerge. The division was between those who argued that that new community that would come when the Messiah came would be only Jewish. And the daring ones who said, no, it's going to include the Gentiles as well. But those are the signs. And that's what we see in the coming of Jesus. That in him the presence of God has come. The Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. 
So the Holy Spirit is at work. Victory being worked out in the lives of the people around us. Sign of the kingdom. Salvation has come through the Lord Jesus. And a new community arising, but arising amongst you, a new community, those who are now drawn into the kingdom. You've got to be asking these questions every week. Who is God putting in front of me? Or who is God putting in front of us? If you're not doing that, you are not a local house of prayer. You're a good prayer meeting, but you're not a local house of prayer. You might as well take the praying out of your meeting together and say we're a local house of prayer. No, you're not. To be a local house of prayer involves the regular asking of these questions. They are a central component. It's what roots you in the work of the Father in your community. Jesus said, ask the Father that he may raise up workers and thrust them out into the fields. Behold, I send you. He didn't say, pray to the Father to raise up workers. Now I'm only teasing you go. You do the two things. You cry out to God for his activity, for workers to be raised up. That's the other Kalo question that you missed. For re- workers to be raised up. <coughs> and you go, you get engaged. But it's all one thing. And what we're doing as we ask the questions is keeping our feet on the ground beginning to tune our hearts more to live as those who are workers with the Lord, who are being shaped by these questions. Because this now is how we perceive the world. This is how we perceive the people around us. This is how we perceive our relationships, our encounters with others. Lord, you're at work here where your people are calling down the kingdom, that your will may be done on earth. Show me what you're doing. I was involved in a very, very big meeting some years ago in Birmingham Cathedral. And um, because of, uh, of what was going on, the, the acoustics in Birmingham Cathedral were absolutely appalling. So we brought in a special acoustics firm and they came in and put huge systems up and cables running everywhere. And um, we started the meeting off, and uh, my friend stood up and said a wonderful prayer, and said, Lord, we, we long to see what you're doing and to understand what you're doing in this city. Would you please reveal to your people, oh, hundreds and hundreds and many, many hundreds of people packed in, would you please show us exactly how you're working in this city? And immediately another voice came over the uh, speakers. At the moment I'm driving along Colmore Row and in a few moments I'll be turning right into Newhall Street and then right into Edmund Street and, uh, and when I drop somebody off I'll be available then. And the whole place sort of collapsed in laughter. And what had happened of course was that the cables had acted as uh, aerials and picked up a passing taxi. Uh, but the timing was absolutely perfect. 
But we want to be shaped by these questions. So this is how we live the rest of our lives. What are you doing, Lord? What are you putting in front of me? How are you seeking to engage me in what you're doing? How am I to serve what you're doing? Okay. Very quickly then, uh, the last question, who might we uh, invite to come and join with us? How are you going to do that? I think you have a way, don't you, of inviting people to come along on the fifth week when you come together or at the end of your cycle? Oh, you don't? Okay. Yeah? Do you invite others to come along? Okay. Just a very simple thing. You're probably going to tell me that I'm absolutely wrong because you've succeeded at this and, and I will give way to your experience. Um, but uh, I don't know of any situation where somebody's gone along and in ten minutes or over a cup of tea has tried to share what a local house of prayer is all like with somebody, you know, ten minutes, and has said, oh, yippee, can I join? Okay. Much, much better to, uh, to look at a different way of doing it. If, if God is putting somebody in front of you, first thing, Father, how then might I invite them? What would be the best way of doing this? And there are a variety of ways you do that. You might do a special. And, uh, and if together in your group between you, you've got three or four people that you think you might invite, and you've been doing this for a while, why not do a, a special? Why not, uh, why not meet um, for coffee and biscuits, for instance, and invite these people along and have a good laugh? And then why, why not just say, well, we're just going to pray now and just ask God to bless our community and do that without getting too carried away? And, uh, and then why not... Uh, why not just speak some blessings over your immediate locality? And then why not take the, the people that you're praying for and on this occasion perhaps quite quietly just stand in agreement and say, Lord, I want to see your blessing come. And then say to the folks who visited you, well, that's sort of essence of what we do. Where a uh, few of us are doing this, quite a few of us are doing this. We're meeting together in two weeks' time and we're going to do this and a little bit of a review. Um, and perhaps there'll be a few refreshments. Why don't you come along and hear a bit more about it? You don't have to force anybody. What we're trying to do in our lives is to be those who begin to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing and to work in step with Him. That takes all the tension out. So I want to invite you. I have a sense that you ought to come. I don't really know you, and I don't really know what God is doing with you, and I don't know what circumstances of your life are, and I, I, I don't know anything much, really. I just have the sense that I ought to invite you. Um, so if I want to draw you in and win you, I'm, I'm, oh, oh, give me the right words. I've got to recruit this person. You're not recruiting anyone. I, I want to find out whether I'm right in sensing the Holy Spirit may be at work here. And so I might ask one or two gentle questions. Doing anything Friday lunchtime? <laughs> no. Um, but I, I might say, have you heard anything about what's being called around here, local houses of prayer, this thing that's growing, this movement? No. It's really interesting. 
Same today without say, about seeing God break in in neighborhoods and so on. And you say, uh, well, I've got to go in a moment. Okay, well, this isn't going to be the time to follow this. But I want to see if there can be a response of some kind, an engagement here. Because I'm looking for what the Holy Spirit is doing. So all the tension is gone. I haven't failed. I didn't recruit you. you know. Or you might say, well, that sounds interesting. Ah. You ought to come along to what to to thing we're doing just to see what it's like. We have laughter and biscuits and coffee, whatever it is you want to do. Take them step by step. If they've come along, give them one of the handouts. Have a look at that. It tells you more about what's going on. But it's a movement that's growing across not just this nation but other nations now as well. Gives them a sense that this is not a an odd or strange local thing that's taking place. But that actually this is something God is doing that's quite amazing. So do it like that. Right, time's running away. We've got 15 minutes. Uh, why don't you ask some questions? And I listen and ask Daphne to answer. Why don't I give you the microphone? And you can draw out some questions. <laughs> okay, this is your moment. You can have a think about how things are going in your particular setting and pick their brains for suggestions. Sheila. I think I've been a bit unclear about whether, because I've been praying for my local people on my list each day of the week, sort of five days a week, but then coming together in the in the local house of prayer, not necessarily praying for them, but praying for our immediate local community, our village, okay? Uh, but I'm not sure which I should be doing or whether it's a bit of both or what, both. Um, both is the answer. So when you're praying and you're interceding together, you're praying for your local community and you're standing together and you're crying that the kingdom will come into the general locality. Okay. But then you're going to take a, um, a short amount of time to pray in agreement for your fives together. So you do both. Very important. Don't, don't, don't miss it out. It's very important. You, you need to... Can I, can, danger is you can speak for ten minutes on one question. But I just want to stress... That, that what's going on here can can look a bit like a program. This is what we do and how you do it. They're principles, but but these principles are to help you, and they come out of the life, and the remarkable work that God is doing at Falderbran Inn, that we're now seeing developing in other places as well. So people catch what's happening, and discover what God is doing. So so we're sort of discovering principles that really work well, that God seems to appreciate and that enables things to happen. Um, so the principles are important because God seems to like responding to them. So both is the answer.
It's just that um, when people do come and want to join, you've already done the teaching so with, with the core group, and then you get people who want to join, and then the group comes quite big, and you want to say, do you know what, just go off and do this, but they haven't really got the foundation. So it's that whole kind of multiplication without getting too big and yet keeping centred on the thing, right things. Okay. Um, I think one option that you've got is to offer regular time where um, you, first of all, perhaps get together over a meal and can share what God's doing um, and pick up where people are living in terms of the actual geography where they're located so that they can meet other people from their kind of patch and weave in through the year um, regular times where there's an opportunity to go through the training but keep it as short and simple and manageable as possible so you might say we'll do four lunches if if the people that you uh, uh, gathering are available in you know lunchtime in the week or one that we've done recently is a over a weekend a friday night and a saturday daytime and use the cds um invite those people who are uh, developing an interest to come to those times and have one or two other people there who are already in an lhop so that they can facilitate that time and answer questions over the meal times or whatever. And it kind of um, just lets it spread naturally. So, you know, get the CDs and um, don't necessarily um, send people off without any support, but neither give the impression that you want to control and manage everything that's going on because we'll never do that. It, it's got its own natural pace of development. So, for example, um, Margaret and Barbara, um, I think, joined in the second round of local house of prayer training. We did one round. A few local houses started off. They heard about it, uh, possibly came to a meal. Did you come to a meal first or did you go straight into the training? Yeah, they made contact by email and I said, well, we'll do another round of training. So, uh, some people living locally made their home available. They came to those evenings um, and have gone off in Swanage and started their own uh, cluster, really. Um, but through the relationship, know that they can come back and forward to review times, hear good news, get encouragement, remind ourselves of the purpose and access things like this. So, you know, um, yes, partly release people off, but give an opportunity if they want it to come back into a bigger cluster. Um, I think we have done four over a year and a quarter. So maybe, yeah, three in a year. But you can do it whatever pace that's manageable and that people are pushing for, you know. Um, does that answer it? 
Does that answer the idea? Any other questions? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Do you ever have times where you think, oh, don't really feel like we got anywhere with that one? Okay, come on, explore that a bit. Well, we've only just got started, Jane and I. There are only two of us for Wimborne at the moment. And um, I was a little bit dismayed after three weeks. One of the ladies that I was praying for died. So it was like, oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> and we've had one or two um, things that we felt, yes, this is the Lord. You know, unexpected meetings. Um, uh, one instance was I I also, pr- I, I live in a little group of there's 44 houses, and I've got my five, but I know quite a lot of people by name in this group, so I tend to lift them up just by name and ask the Lord to do whatever he wants to do in their lives, and then I sort of remember the others as well, because we're all in a community, and I just feel it's very important, and I ask for Lord's manifest presence over Shepherd's Field, which is what the place is called. Um, so... Um, there was one family that I, I knew one name because they'd come to the street party, which we had in our house back in Jubilee. And I knew there were two youngsters, but I didn't know their names or the other name. And I was saying to the Lord, well, I keep on saying Martine and the others. It would really be nice to know who they all are. And I went out on a wild and cold day, um, pouring with rain, wind blowing, and thought I was mad, really. But anyway, just went because I felt... I needed to go and do what I wanted to do. And lo and behold, coming towards me was the other lady whose name I didn't know. And she recognized me. We stopped. And I was able to say, oh, I've really had you on my mind. I've really been thinking about you as a group, as as a sort of family. Um, I know Martine. You know, what's your name? And so that way I was able to get um, her name and the two youngsters' names, which was great. Because I like to play for people by their names. So... But, you know, we're very early days, but it was sort of like we've both of us said, haven't we, once or twice, "Mm, you know, is anything happening? Is anything working? Some of the people we pray for we haven't seen. We've had no sort of real contact with them at all. And it's like, well, you know, are we on the right lines? That's that's good. Okay. Do you want to start on that? Yeah. Sounds like a Daphne question, really. But um, I think what you have to do, uh, particularly early on when you're finding your feet, is um, is to say, I'm committed to keep going for five weeks, not to review anything until the five weeks are over. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then one of the questions is, where, where do I sense any life flowing when I pray for the, these people on my list? Um, was this a good idea? Did I mishear about this? Do I discover that one or two on the list, I have actually quite a lot of freedom when I pray. And the other three, this, where it's almost like a duty. I want to do it because it's good. Nothing particularly there. Have a pending folder, okay? Not a, not a discard folder, not a rubbish bin. A pending folder, 
take those three that where you haven't really felt anything, put them in the pending folder so you can go back later and say, do I draw them back in? And just ask the Lord to help you to replace them with some other names. There's nothing about giving up on those people. Just that you're seeking the flow of the Spirit. And it may be that you end up with only three or four over your next cycle. Again, commit yourself to that five weeks. Don't review anything on the way through. Um, You don't know what the spiritual background of those people is, what you may be touching, what might be reacting, actually wanting to touch you. Just forget about all that. Just commit yourself to the next five weeks. The end of the five weeks, review it again. And it may be that now... Yeah, those two or three that I started with, I still have that. I don't particularly see anything taking place for them, but I have real freedom when I pray for them. And one of the new two people I added, the same. But you know that other one that's just, it's more like duty. Put them in the pending file. Bring somebody else in. Don't be afraid to do that. I, I just really picked up on the fact that you said that you don't see them. You don't even see them. Well, I would suggest you've probably got the wrong folks then, actually, because if you're not seeing them, where's the relationship? Where's the connection? Um, so like Roy said, put them to one side for a bit. Doesn't necessarily mean in the long term they're wrong. But if you're not seeing them, I don't think you've got the right folks because, you know, what can you do for them if you never see them? How can you connect? So I think that's really important. If you're not seeing folks, I reckon you've got the wrong folks. Okay, Um, well then, what can I join? You know, I think as Christians, we are really, really bad. I am generalizing. You know, all we do is go to Christian stuff. You know, we don't belong to anything else. And we need to look into your community and see what you can belong to. And sometimes it's hard because... We get busy with Christian stuff and, you know, we need to be doing it and it's important. And then we're too tired to belong to our community. This community that we're supposed to love. But actually, we're not part of it. We turn up to church on a Sunday and we go to Bible study, but we don't belong to our community. So how do they see that we love them if we're not part of them? And it's like, for me, I've gone, I go, well, I go to lots of stuff. Um, and it's hard work sometimes because you're too tired. I'm too tired to go and join in with da-da. But you have to do it. And I can tell you in our community, if you're not committed to what you've joined, they put you to one side straight away. I've watched it happen. If you go, you have to go. Feel like it or not, you go. And that's probably right for a lot of communities. I don't really know. But it's certainly right for where we are. So if you don't know folks, get off your backsides and join something, you know? And maybe, oh, yeah, the main thing in the valley, there hasn't been much lately, has there? But the main thing for raising money for charity is bingo. Well, you know, it isn't the most thrilling evening. It really isn't. You know, people buy special pens to play bingo with, can you believe? But they do. But, you know... Because that's what they do in our community, we have to go. Um, Because we love our community and it's how they support charities. Well, it could be worse. (laughs) 
It could be worse. You know, it's not the end of the world playing bingo, really. It's a bit boring, but um, you know what I mean? And sometimes I really think we have to let go of some of our spiritual stuff to belong to our community, actually, because it isn't separate, is it? We've got to be um, naturally spiritual or spiritually natural or whatever. And it's all one, isn't it? It's all part of the same thing, really. So... um, Let's, let's just pick up and remind ourselves just for a moment because I know time's disappearing. So. Um, you know, the fundamentals of how we put these people on the list starts off with who do I know who? Now, if you don't know them, shouldn't be on your list. Okay? It's how you find your heart. Who do I know who used to be a worshipper but isn't a worshipper anymore? Who do I know who comes to me and just talks to me when they're a bit troubled, when they're a bit needy? Who do I know who I sit down with sometimes and we just have a cup of tea together? Who do I know who belongs to what I belong to? Who do I know who seems to have the same sense of humour as me? Who do I know is probably the most unlikely person in the community to ever make a response towards God? These sort of questions that we ask to, to produce the, the people who are on the list where we're going to, to pray for. So the beginning is, who do I know? And if you never ever see them, then you don't know them. So what you're doing is of value, but as Daphne has said so clearly, um, I tend to say things rather gently and roundabout, and Daphne comes up and sort of smashes the nut with a huge hammer. Okay. So, um, so get out. I'll tell you very quickly, a friend of mine uh, worked for a merchant bank, a uh, big international merchant bank, and he came and found me one lunchtime. He said, I've got to tell you, he said, our bank is doing something in London. I want you to come as my guest. London was a very long way away. And I said, what, what, what sort of thing? It's an evening meeting. An evening meeting with the merchant bank? I don't think so. No, he said, there's this guy in America. And uh, he is the most successful salesman by volume the world has ever seen. But he hasn't just broken records. I mean, he's just on a totally different planet. And we're flying him over. It's for fun, and we're inviting professionals to come along and hear him. But I've got a spare ticket. Will you come with me? Well, I thought this guy sounded intriguing, that he should be such a communicator and by far the greatest salesman. So I looked it up, and it was all true. And I look forward, and we went to London together. And I can't remember where it was. It might have been the Royal Albert Hall, I think. Anyway, there was this huge thing, the Master of Ceremonies. There were trumpeters in livery, for goodness sake. And there were films about the background of sales, financial institutions, and so on. And then it said, ladies and gentlemen, we introduce to you Ben Feldman. And this American came on about that height to me three times bigger around the girth. Um, and he sort of waddled on. And they got, a, they got a sort of bar stool for him to sit on. And he struggled to get up on it. And he turned around and said, well, I'm so grateful. I'm not going to pretend to make an accent. He said, I'm so grateful that this bank has flown me over here. And I was asked to address one question only. How might you treble quadruple 
your sales activity. He said, and I know you're all here waiting for my answer. And you could feel this collective shaking, yes, nodding her head, yes. And everybody said, hang on, he said, you see more people. And he clambered off the bar stool, walked across the stage and left. And that was it. And everybody was just devastated. And the guy sat next to me, who works at the bank, we've flown him over from the States. He's in the Hilton Hotel. He's cost us a fortune. All these people have come. They spend fortune on their tickets. But you know, that was, I don't know, a couple of decades ago at least. Maybe three decades ago. People still talk about that. Never forget it. It's just a simple thing. You see more people. How do you engage with God's work in your community? You see more people. Really good. Really good.